how many the promises God has made. No matter how many the promises God has made. Notice what it says. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, through Christ, the amen, when the, the word amen translates, let it be so. The amen is spoken by who? Us. To the glory of God. So all God's promises are, we say, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. We want your promises. Uh, Suzanne, if you turn off those two lights for me right there. Amen. I feel like a McDonald's French fry. I look like I ate the French fries, but I feel like a French fry right now. But that says the promises, and this is what I want you to understand. We're going to be talking about the promise God made to Israel to bring them to the land of flowing with milk and honey. And how the promise that was given way back when to Moses at the burning bush and all these things and through all that thing, that we see that Moses and all never made it to the promised land. That generation, the promise was for them. But they never made it because their soul could not let go of the fear when they sent the spies to the land. But God's promises are, yes, they were continued for his, the nation of Israel. And we, what we're going to talk about today is how Joshua finally came to the place and God told him, get ready. And that's what I wanted you to understand. We have to get ready and be ready to, to inherit the promises of God. You have to be ready. There's certain things in your life you have to get in order, and we're going to talk about that, that first one today, but that we need to be ready. And I was thinking about uh, all the things that Moses and all went to, and we're going to just read Joshua 1 through, 1 through 3 right now, and then we're going to talk about this a little bit more. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, and there's that word, those two words, get ready. Circle that. Get ready. In other words, be prepared. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give him to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, and this is a key part right here, as I promised Moses. So you see, the promise was for Moses and those, that generation, but they never reached it. Does that mean God's promise wasn't? No. This promise and his will and his desire was for them to possess that land, but something held them out. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. If you, we see these things, it says, uh, I just want to go to Numbers chapter 13, verses uh, 1 and 2. Uh, where it says this, and this is where I told you to open your Bible. L listen what God commands Moses. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. He says, I'm giving them to them. And how many remember they send the spies into the land, and they, they see the land is flowing with milk and honey, but they also see obstacles. And they got the promise of God that he will give them the land, but 10 of the 12 spies came back and what? Spread a bad report. Their soul was fearful, right? And let me explain to you. Everyone has emotions. That's part of your soul. Mind, will, and emotions. 
And we have to know that we all will have emotions and we're all going to struggle. We all worry, right? Anybody never had fear in their life? We all did. Anybody never worried in their life? We all have. That's part of your emotions. But when I love in that song where it says, let go my soul and trust in God. And that's the thing that we have to realize, that at some point in our life, even though we're facing the fears, we have to let go and trust God. You see, fear does not mean I, uh, does not mean I don't have faith. Fear means it's emotion. I'm, I realize what I'm facing. But what happens is, is when the fear is so strong and your soul doesn't let go, that it keeps you or cripples you and doesn't allow you to walk in faith. You see, they were promised the land. Moses, uh, God promised them that land. All they had to do was step in it. But they were too, ter- too scared to step. You see, that step is the faith. We all have the fear. We're all facing things, and we all have fear. And so let, let me just look at another thing here. Uh, we'll jump down to uh, verse 33. The very end, and this is part of what they said. It, notice what, they, what the uh, ten of the twelve spies said: "We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them." The enemies were there, the giants in the land, and I'm sure the Israelites looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. But you want to know where the problem lied? Not in how the enemy seen them, but in how they seen themselves. He says, we, we, see, we see ourselves, the ten spies said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. In other words, they had no confidence that God could do what he had promised. They, were, they thought they were going to be crushed. And so we see, as, as we move into Joshua's thing, that whole generation, that whole generation could not enter the promised land because they failed that. They decided to believe the report of the ten instead of Joshua and Caleb, where they said, surely we can go in. And everybody else, oh, no. They gave all the reasons why, because they could not let go of their, their soul, had control in their life, and they weren't able to walk in faith. And this is what I want you to understand. No matter what you're going through today, we're all going through something. Right? You're either going, come, going through it, getting ready to go through it, or coming out. But it's a cycle we go through in life. There's always something going on. And you have to realize that so at some point in time, we have to understand that it doesn't need to make sense to us. Because that's the problem in our life. We all want the plan laid out before us that we could see how, to, how it was going to work out. Right? God, can you send me a YouTube video clip and show exactly how this is going to work? Then I'll take the step. But it doesn't work that way. You see, I need to let go and go beyond the fear, and it's when I take that step of faith that God begins to work. See, if, if, if Moses and all would have just took the step of faith and started marching, they would have been victorious. But they never were able to overcome the fear and take that step. So after the death of Moses, uh, this is Joshua 1, 1 and 3, says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, the servant, is dead. They wandered around the desert for 40 years. 
God said, till this unbelieving generation passes. But my promise still stands. I'm taking the Israelites there. And he comes up. Now that generation had passed. And he comes to Joshua and he says, get, get ready. He says, now then, uh, you and these people get ready. And I, I want to just back up for a second here where it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I brought these people to a place. When we're about to step out in faith, we, have, we, bring, we brought to a point, and we see with Moses and all, is you're brought to a point that you look, can look forward to what God's going to do, or you can look back to where you've been. And the problem is, fear keeps you from going to where God wants you because it's unknown. You're not sure how God's going to do it. But even in my past, even though my past I'm kind of comfortable because I know what's going to happen. Listen to me. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, what did they keep mumbling? Why did God, they, their future was, why did God bring us out? We don't know how we're going to do this. And they said, wouldn't it be better for us to go back as slaves? See, because the fear of the unknown, the fear of not knowing how God is going to do it, many people rather go back to, well, this ain't so great. But at least I'm comfortable and know where it's going to be. And you miss what God has for you. You miss the promise of God. So we, br we brought to a point in your life is what am I going to do? Am I going to go forward with the Lord? Or am I going to stay stuck in the mud? Am I longing because this, this, this scares me? There's fear. I don't know what God's going to do. I believe he can do all things. I believe it's things, but I just don't know how yet. And my fear, my soul, doesn't want to take that step. Because in my past, I feel the security and the, I know what's going on. That's a scary thing. And that's what holds people back. It's fear. Fear is crippling. You want to do things, you, you want to believe God, but you're never going to take that step because you're scared of the unknown. And you'll back yourself up, back into slavery, back into what you know, what, what you're used to. Because that's what you expect. Yeah, at least you know what's happening. But God has a better plan for your life than that. God had the promised land prepared for them. And so he says this, Get ready. Now, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now, what I want you to understand in these next couple of verses, I want you to think where God was saying, get ready to cross the Jordan. That was a task in itself. You see, notice what it says in uh, Joshua 3.15. It goes a little further. It says, now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during the harvest. So it wasn't, again, to begin with, it wasn't that the Jordan River was going to be an easy thing to cross. It was basically impossible. It's at flood stage. It's overflowing its banks. It's uh, got a lot of current going through. We're going to be drowned if we try and cross. So again, just as Moses and all had fear and things, they were brought to a point of this is your, where, this is your faith. You, to begin with, you have to cross this river. And they, huh, how are we going to cross? 
But notice, that, notice what it says a few verses before in verse 13. Joshua 3, 13. This is how God says, And as soon as, now circle that right there, as soon as, not until, but only when, as soon as this happens. He says, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the, the uh, glory of God, the presence of God, he says, the, uh, as they carried the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of the earth, when they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. It was through God's power. But notice what he says. Not until they step in. They could have stood at the edge, which we do many a times. And God, where are you? God, how, how we waiting. But he says, no. You must take that step of faith. See, they were scared. If I put my foot in there, maybe... I'll be swept away in this current. But he says, not until you become over your fear and take that step will the water stop. As soon as the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all Lord set foot in the Jordan, then its waters uh, will, uh, flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So faith is... Not the absence of fear. Faith is overcoming fear. Faith is trusting in God. Let go my soul and trust in the Lord. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Let go beyond our fears. Listen, the Bible is clear that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So just because I don't understand or see a way out. The Bible also says he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Right? And that's our struggle. We want to know. We want, we want the plan. We want it laid out. This is part A, part B, part C, part D. But God says, no, just trust. I, I said I will give you this land. Trust. Don't try and figure it out. Just trust in him. So I want you to understand, God, God tell, told them these things, and we're, they're going to the land flowing in milk and honey. And on your paper, I, I got milk and honey, but also in that land was what? Fortified cities and giants. It's a land flowing of milk and honey, but God said it's not going to be everything just simple. You know, we want God to take every problem away in this world, and let me tell you something, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken, fallen world. Jesus says, in this world, there will be trouble. So if you're thinking every trouble is going to disappear, I'm, I know you come for encouragement, and that's kind of depressing. <laughs> right? But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, we'll go through things in this world, but we, can, we, have, we will overcome. This is only temporary what we're going through, but trust in God and trust in Him because we're going to overcome the world. 
He has overcome the world already. So fortified cities and giants, that's where you're going. And, you know, giants would be very intimidating, right? It's people who were huge and intimidating. You know, I heard uh, Boudreaux's wife, Marie, was very intimidating. Y'all know Marie? Marie yeah, that was Boudreaux's wife. I seen the other day on uh, Channel 4 and a Half News uh, from Golden Manor. It's Channel 4 and a Half. They were interviewing Officer Thibodeau. It was a crime scene at Boudreaux's house. And the reporter from Channel 4 and a Half says, Hey, Officer Thibodeau, what happened? He says, Well, let me tell you something. Boudreaux and Marie have been married for 20 years. And every time Marie would mop her floor, guess what? Boudreaux would come walking across her wet floor. And she got mad and she would fuss him every time. And last week, it says she told him, he said, she said, Boudreaux, next time I will mop my floor, if you walk across my wet floor, it'll be the last time you walk across my wet floor. Well, sure enough. Marie mopped that floor at 8 o'clock in the morning, and here come Boudreaux. He walked across that wet floor. Pow! She shoot him dead. And the reporter says, oh, wow. He says, and what, what I don't understand is it's 1 o'clock right now. He said, she, she shot him dead at 8 o'clock this morning. How come it took you over four hours to arrest Marie? And he says, well, that floor was still wet. <laughs> See, he knew about Marie. She was very intimidating. <laughs> so they weren't going across that wet floor either. <laughs> so the land with milk and honey is also fortified with, with giants. But this is how you need to overcome. <clears throat> is number one, fill in the blank, is knowing that God has a plan. God has a plan. I may not understand the plan. I may not see the plan. I may, it, all these things, but I just need to know that God has a plan for you and your life. <coughs> Amen. Let's look at a, a very familiar passage of Scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29. And a lot of times we just read verse 11, but I want to read verses 10 through 13 uh, <coughs> on it. Notice what it says here talking about God, knowing God has a plan. Okay, and I want you to understand that Old Testament, New Testament, all, all of God's promises and things are timeless principles throughout his word. Okay, that what's true in the Old Testament is still true today. Okay, and we, we're going to look at uh, from the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament today. It says this, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my glorious promise to bring you back to this place. Now, he's speaking to Jeremiah through to the nation of Israel. And what we need to realize is when 70 years have passed, how many of you need to know that we work with God's timing and not our timing? That's our biggest struggle. It's God doesn't work on our timetable. God works in his. And he says 70 years will pass when, before it's going to happen. That I need to understand, again, a day with us is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. 
God works on a totally different timetable. And a lot of times what God's actually doing, and I say this uh, a lot, is God's always trying to work something in you and out of you. God doesn't cause every situation we go through, but it does say God uses all things for those who love him. And God's not going to, listen, if, if something in this world's hurting you, God's not going to let it go to waste as no thing. He's going to use that in your life to work something in you and out of you. Okay? So we need to understand that God's always working in this thing. He says, after 70 years, he says, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise. Again, the promise is there. The promises of God are all there. And he says, for, verse 11, now notice his plans. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. Circle that. I know the plans that, what's that next word? I have for you. Do you realize God has plans for you? God has a plan for your life. The struggle is we have to live and walk and try and do God's will for our life versus our will. That, that's a struggle we go through, what we want and things and desire versus what God created you for. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now notice this, plans to what? Prosper you. So, you know, somebody that's always telling you that, God, you know, if, if you have prosperity, then you're out of the will of God. You know, there's some people that think the poorer you are, the less you have, the more spiritual you are. No, you know what that is? That just means you're poor. And you know what? When you see somebody in need, that means you can't help them. See, everything you're blessed with is to be able to bless other people. God, God you're an instrument that God uses for these things. He says, my, God's plans is to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that, that's so key right here. The, what the devil wants to do is make you lose hope. He just wants you to give up and think there's no way. I'm just throwing in the white flag. I give up. But God says, I'm going to give you a hope. Because hope is what gets me through. And I'll never forget an article I read, and I shared this many times, on the Holocaust survivors in World War II that were in these prison camps. And you've seen pictures and things of just skeletons of people, you know, and millions had died, and they interviewed a few of the survivors, and they said, how did you ever make it through there? And they said, we never gave up hope. We knew God would deliver us from this. Hope is a powerful thing. When people lose hope, that's when they commit suicide. Because they think, they, the devil tricks them into believing there's no way out. It's hopeless. But we could always have hope. And he says that he will give us hope. So he wants you to have hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So in other words, he's telling a future. Now, you're not going to just be stuck where you're at now. It's going to be a prosperous future. It's gonna, I'm not going to harm you. I'm going to give you a hope and the future. Then go to the next verse. This is what we need to pay attention to in verse 12. He says, then, at that time, you will call upon me. 
Again, at the end of 70 years, he says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Next verse. You will seek me and find me. And here, this is key. When you seek me with all your heart. And see, too many people, God is just an emergency room God. Right? When do you go to the emergency room at life crisis? And so many people, the only time they seek God is when they're in an emergency. But God's saying, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now back to the verse before where it says prosper. He didn't say that you seek prosperity. Matthew tells us, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, and then all these things will be given to you. See, too many people seek the prosperity and seeking these things instead of seeking him. They're seeking the things of God instead of seeking God. And what, what he's trying to tell you is when you seek him and put him first, then those things will be given to you. But so many people are seeking the prosperity. Their whole life is, how can I prosper? How can I do this? And that's what he's saying, you're missing the mark. You need to seek me, my kingdom and my righteousness. Then it will be given to you. And that's what he's saying here. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's saying, I'm not just an emergency room God. I'm an everyday God. I want to be in your life every day, every moment, every second. Now let's get a little before here. We see the plan for Jeremiah to, to, uh, as a prophet saying this. Notice in Jeremiah 1.5 what it says this. Before. Everybody say that word, before. When we're talking about God having a plan for your life. Before I formed you. This is God speaking. Before I formed you in the womb. Where did God form him? In the womb of the mother. And I want you to notice these two scriptures we're going to be talking about. It is very clear that God views life as already in the womb. That life doesn't begin once the child is born. Life is sacred to him. And I, If you don't understand, I'm, I'm talking about abortion. I'm going to be plain and clear with you. When you're going to start looking at these scriptures, and there's many more that say that God knits and forms the body in the womb. And let me tell you something. When, you have a, when a person has an abortion, they are destroying what God is creating. I think my point was made there. So he says this about Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, notice this, I knew you. And that, that it's not an intellect knowing, knowing of your existence. What it actually translates, I wrote down in my notes here, that that word actually translates chosen and a close personal relationship with protection. So it's clearly not knowing of you, knowing you would be born. He's saying, I'm already in relationship 
Just think if his mother would have decided to abort him. I always think about that. What greatness has been aborted in this world that God was trying to create? And listen, if anyone in here ever had an abortion, listen on online, repent to God and just say, God, I'm sorry. And God, God will forgive you. He, he'll cleanse you from all our unrighteousness, and you have to let it go now. God, God will remove that sin in our life, and he, just like every other sin that we have. He'll remove it. I don't want you to live in guilt. You know, we, we don't, we, that's not what we're trying to do here. You want to be set free from, from that guilt. But we understand, he says, before you were born, he says, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, this isn't saying that we're all prophets to the nations, but what he's saying is, and, the, and what is showing here is that God had Jeremiah creating him and had already had a plan for him to be a prophet to the nations. But let me tell you something, Brother Doug, when you were being formed in your mother's womb, God had a plan for your life for what you're going to do in life. Jake, would, would God, when you were inside Kathy's belly there, God says, you're wonderfully made, and I have a great plan for your life. That's for each and every one of us. It's not that he called every person to be that prophet, but he's got a specific plan for each and every one of our lives. You ever know, wondered why you're born right now and not 200 years ago? Because God needs you here now. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Notice this, we're realizing that God has a plan for my life so I can let go and begin to take that first step. Notice, uh, I want you to read the whole uh, Psalms 139, but I only put verses 13 through 18 here. But notice what it says. The psalmist says, for you created my innermost being. He, he's the creator. You created, he says, you knit me together where? In my mother's womb. Again, the miracle of life is God working in the mother's womb. He says, I praise you because I am. Circle I am. And I want you to point to yourself and say, I am. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I tell you something? God doesn't make junk. You hear me? God doesn't make junk, and he made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says, he says, your works are wonderful. Oh, look at your neighbor and say, you're wonderful. You are wonderful. God made you. You are so wonderful. He says, I know that full well. And notice verse 15, he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And, and again, what I want you to understand here is my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And so many people live with guilt and say, you know, well, I was an accident. I, I wasn't supposed to be born. You know, uh, I was conceived in the back of a 57 Chevy and all this thing. Well, guess what? God didn't wake up the next morning and say, oh, where did you come from? He knit you in your mother's womb and put you together. 
verse 16, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. Oh, listen to this. All the days ordained for me. This is before they're born. Before they're born, before in the mother's womb, all your days are adorned for, uh, ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think, he's laying out the plan for your life. What he has, that plan for your life. And he says, uh, how precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. Where I, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Do you listen to what that's saying? How great are the thoughts and how many are the thoughts of God for you? That he has so many thoughts and plans that if they were if he were to count them, it would the grains of sand isn't even enough. Do you realize how special you are to God? What a calling we have in our life. So if God does all this thing, pays all this attention in, in your very creation, what would make you think that he's not going to see you through the promise and walk you through what you're going through? He didn't create you to abandon you. He didn't create you to just leave you fend for yourself. He created you to be victorious. Now we're jump to the New Testament here. Same thing. God has a plan for our life. And in these verses, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and I've spoken on this on our study in Ephesians chapter 2 on Wednesday night, but I want to share it with you today, is that there's going to be these words, works. And we're going to look at works and workmanship and works. There's three times it refers to, but in all three different ways. Verse 8 begins to say, for it is by grace you have been saved. And I want you to circle grace you have been saved. And he's beginning to tell you it's not because of your greatness of all the things you could do, everything you could do. It's not by any of that. It is by God's free gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Is God's grace that we are saved through what? Faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Think about that. That's a sobering thought we need to realize. That God so loves you that it, with all our imperfections and mistakes, he still wants to spend eternity with us. That he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Then it goes on to say, Verse 9, it is, it is uh, again, let me read from the beginning. It is, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by what? Works. So circle that word. Not by works so that no one can boast. He's letting you know you are nowhere close enough. You can never, you can't earn salvation. So it is not by works. But then he doesn't say, he, he, make, he begins to make clear to us in a second here, it's, you aren't saved by your works, but you are saved for his works. Yeah, this is what I, we're going to look at here in a second. He says, so no one could boast. Verse 10 says, for we are God's, and here's the word again, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. Now what I want you to understand is we are his creation.'" 
Those verses we just talked about being knitted together in, in, the, in the womb. It is God, we are God's creation, right? None of us in here decided how tall we're going to be, how uh, short we're going to be, how we look, all these things. Now, we may have added on a few pounds, <laughs> God intended, but we understand that it is God's workmanship. That you know what? All, you, every talent and ability a person God has, you cannot take credit for that. Because as God... Anybody ever watched the Food Channel? Yeah, seen, uh, what's his name? Emerald Lagasse? And he puts them seasons and they, bam, bam. Well, when God was creating you, he said, oh, this talent, bam, whoo. And he said, oh, bam, bam. And he, he created you and gave you the talents and abilities that you have. Uh, and I always say, I, I, I so wish I could play the piano like, like uh, Crystal and Aliskano and sing and Brother Kevin with the guitar and being able to sing. But guess what? When that came out, God didn't go bam. He said, that's not for you. That's not what I created you for. It doesn't mean I don't worship God, but he didn't give me the voice. You see, just like Brother Kevin didn't choose to have the voice he has, it's God that worked that voice in him. It's God that gave him that ability. It's God that gave all those singers those abilities. We cannot take credit for that. It's, it's what he is. But then notice what it goes on to say here. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now notice this, to do good works. So circle that right there, to do good works. But I don't want to stop there because it says this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if you're not careful, you're going to miss that. We think we stop and just focus on good works. But he says it's not just good works. It's the good works that God prepared for your life. When he wrote all the days that were ordained for your life and your plan in the book is for his plan. And the, the perfect way I could explain this is, is good works is doing good things. And God wants us to do good things, but not only good things. It's the things he planned for us. When Jesus Christ came into this world, who was born to die for our sins, was that not God's plan for his son? To die for the sins so man's sins could be forgiven? Now, before Jesus went to the cross, he'd done many good works. He healed many people. He, he uh, shared the love of God with people and all these things. But what if Jesus would have said, you know what, God, I don't want to go to the cross, which he did not want to. But he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. What if he would have said, you know what, I'm not going to go. I know I was sent here to die on the cross. But what if I just don't do that and I just keep going around preaching and doing these good works? But he misses the good work the Father had for him. You see the difference? I need to not only do good works, but I need to do the good works that God created for me to do. My purpose, my plan. We'll close with this scripture, talking about God's plan for your life. And again, we're just beginning with this, getting ready to cross. How do I get ready? How do I take that step of faith to cross to God's promises in my life is number one, knowing that, I ha that God has a plan. I may not understand it. I may not see it, but I need to trust in him that God has a plan. And notice what it says here, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
Why does he have to urge him? He's trying to get them to do it because they don't want to. I'm urging you. I'm pleading with you. In view of God's mercy, think of what God has done for you. That he's not wanting to hold the punishment over you. That he put your sins on his son's back on that cross. In view of his mercy to offer your body, just as Christ offered his body for you, that you offer your body as living sacrifices. In other words, the way you live in this world. That you offer yourself up to him as he offered his son up for you. He says, being holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Then go to the next verse. It says, do not conform any longer. In other words, they were still conforming to the things of this world. That's why he's urging them. He says, I'm pleading with you. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You're not saved by your works. It is a gift of God, but you are saved for God's works in your life. And he says, so don't just take what God done for you and throw it away and live like you want to. He says, live for him. Fulfill the purpose he created you for. He says, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, not until then, because that's where so many people uh, struggle with, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, he says, first you have to not conform to the pattern of this world. Look, look what he says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It, it says, as long as I'm conforming to the pattern of this world, as long as I want to live with one foot in the world, you're never going to know what God's will is for your life and plan for your life. He says, when you get serious, when you seek me with all of yourself, then I'll reveal that plan to you. But as long as I want to keep one foot in the world and one out, I'm going to be like, <laughs> I won't find it. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve. And why does it say test? You hear from three things, sources in life. You hear from, probably the loudest thing you hear from is yourself. What you desire and want. Then the enemy. What he wants for your life. And then you hear from God, the Holy Spirit, in your life. And that's why we have to test what God's, what we, what we hear. Because we, we hear from ourselves, we hear from the enemy, we hear from God. And that's why he's saying test. You know what? God will never tell you to do anything that's contradictory to his word already. If he's already said it, it doesn't matter who you think said it. it he will not contradict his word that he's already said. So he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And notice what his will is. It's good and pleasing and perfect. You ever wonder why maybe life seems empty? It's because you're not fulfilling his plan for your life. We're a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. The only time you're going to ever feel fulfilled is when you're doing the purpose God created you for. In your life. That's when peace, happiness, and joy will overflow in your life. Because you're walking in his presence and what he has for you. So let's just stand to our feet right now as we come to a close this evening, this morning. Father, 
I thank you for each and every person that's here today. And Father, I just pray that as we studied your word today, Father God, your spirit would quicken in each and every one of our hearts that we are loved by you and that you have a plan for us. And that it doesn't matter how swollen the Jordan River is, if we are faithful to you and let our soul release us, Father God, that we no longer walk in fear, but we take that step of faith that your promises will come true in our life. And we'll be able to fight the giants in the land through your power, that we will be overcomers. Father, we are victorious in your Son. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want you to just say this simple prayer with me. Said, I just ask everyone to repeat this. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit that there are many errors in my life that I fall short. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive that forgiveness and invite Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we leave, I want Matthew, if you could just put up, uh, look in the beginning of the notes where it says our proclamation. Uh, we want to proclaim this over our life every day. It's in your bulletins. Uh, just, we'll just give him a second to find it there. It, it's in the beginning. There we go. So repeat after me today. Say, today I will be the person God created me to be. In Christ, I am a victor and not a victim. I am more than a conqueror, and I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday.